Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. One of the core difficulties in finding the truth, in becoming rid of our tainted qualities, is arrogance. Because arrogance allows you to think things that are nowhere near accurate. For instance, an enlightened man can look at a room of people and say, we're all the same. Because he understands the unity of existence and understands that we were all created in the same way and we all carry the same signature of our creator. An arrogant man will say we're all the same but that's not what he means. What he means is none of you are better than me. None of you have more intelligence than I do. None of you know any more than me. It has to do with jealousy and a certain sense of uh, not feeling equal to things. So he repeats what the wise man says, but his motives and intentions are entirely different. So we have to understand our own ability to rationalize and our own ability to come to conclusions that are inappropriate. Uh, I often tell people that one of the important courses that they don't teach in university is remedial humility. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> if people understood what true humility was, they would understand better their status in creation and they'd be able to see. Arrogance is a great veil. It covers all of our inadequacies to us. It stops us from seeing the truth about ourselves. So we walk around like a peacock because of arrogance and in truth we do nothing about the reality of our existence. Islam means surrender. Arrogance doesn't allow surrender. Arrogance insists on being at the forefront of things and being important. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai and began to talk to the people, a man came forward. And this is in the Old Testament. It's also in uh, the movie, The Ten Commandments. And Edward G. Robinson plays this man. And he says to Moses, Moses, who are you to talk to us? We're all the same. Any of us could be up there doing the talking. 
And this is the difference again between the ignorant man and the man of wisdom. So in the Bible, what happens when he says this, lightning strikes, the ground opens up and swallows him. He got what his arrogance deserved. We have to be very careful of our own arrogance. We have to learn to be mild in nature and not to presuppose the situations of others, not to make judgments as to the situations of others. There are cures for arrogance. There are anecdotes for arrogance. But it's very difficult for people with arrogance to take these anecdotes because they're bitter for them. If you hate somebody and you're told the way to resolve your situation is to turn your hate into love, it's very difficult because hate is something that people attach themselves to. And to say, detach yourself from these emotions that you have not because it's going to help other people, because it's what's going to save you. They can't grasp it. They can't understand it. Uh, there's a Buddhist tradition that says, if someone hates you, pray and send love and kindness for him, to him for 30 days, continuously, and at least it will resolve everything inside yourself. <laughs> you can't necessarily resolve what's going on in the other person, but you can resolve what's going on inside yourself. And this is the great lesson, that we need to resolve what's going on inside of ourselves. Most people who are having difficulty with purity, difficulty with removing veils that cloud them from reality, are in the same situation. They see all of their difficulties outside of themselves. And they blame all their difficulties on things that are outside of themselves. So, it's their parents' fault, it's their friends' fault, it's their teacher's fault, it's their boss's fault, it's somebody else's fault. They are incapable of introspection. And as long as we are incapable of introspection, we are never looking at solutions to the problem that are actually solutions. Uh, there was a song called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. And it's like we're looking for solutions in all the wrong places. The only place where solutions exist is inside of ourselves. And we have to create a house inside of ourselves that holds 
the truth that is a residence for reality. This body will disappear and all that will remain with us are the non-elemental qualities that we are able to garner and put inside of ourselves and become. This is the reality of who we are. Everything else is false. And when you have an entire mind system that is constantly involved with things outside of yourself, it's impossible to have a system of understanding that everything is inside of yourself. And this is at the core of Sufism. One of the uh, things that happens in religion is you have a constant battle between ritual performance and non-ritual performance and the extent of ritual performance and non-ritual performance. It's happened in every religion. Um, there are those who will come along and say the rituals aren't important. What's important is what occurs inside of you and the changes that occur inside of you. Um, and there are those who will say that everything is done and looked at from how you practice the rituals that are imposed upon you. And so you have the ultra-Orthodox in every religion whose entire view of religion is what they can see on the outside. And this comes from a need of the religious authorities to control what's going on on the outside because, truthfully, that's all they can control. So, since that's all they can control, they become very, very heavy-handed in controlling that. They also, um, a, a wise man was asked, what is the godly merit of building places of worship? And his response was, there is no godly merit in building places of worship. The only merit comes from internal change. So, if you go around building places of worship everywhere, you may get worldly merit and people may respect you for what you've done, but in truth, unless there is an internal change, all of the externalities that you become involved with are not reaching the level of what happens when there's true internal change. Hypocrisy and understanding what hypocrisy means is at the core of being able to move from arrogance into reality. A hypocrite thinks one thing and says another. 
Now, this involves an entire mental machination. When you are being false, you are creating a scenario within your head. Well, I, I need to say this so in order that they will think that. I need to say that so in order they will think this. If you let go of that duality and get to the point where you can say what you think and be immediately coherent on the inside and the outside, your arrogance will dissipate. But as long as you can't do that, then you stay within your arrogance and you stay within your difficulties. Now there are those who are not hypocrites, but they are also foul-mouthed and nasty and consistently that way. So they may not be arrogant in, 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 in the way that a hypocrite is, but at least they're noticeable to society. They're not hidden. The prophet in his last talk said, beware the imposters. The imposters are the ones who hide and say things that mollify people, that praise people, uh, when really uh, they have entirely different intentions for them. So we, in order to actually come to changes, need to look at ourselves. Is, are there layers to the way we present ourselves in public? Do we hide ourselves so that the truth of who we are can't be seen? Or are we washed enough that we can go unashamed into the world and show who we truly are? And if we can't show who we truly are because we're ashamed of who we truly are, can we change so that we won't be ashamed of who we truly are? You see, there's a long story about the different levels of adherence. And at the fourth level is shame. Shame is a positive force to change people. If you don't have shame, it becomes very difficult to change because you don't see anything wrong with yourself ever. And the arrogant don't have shame. After shame just comes doing things for reward. In other words, everything is involved with self-motive. There is no motive for truth. There's only motive for aggrandizing the self. So there's almost like no belief in anything else other than the illusory world. And when, when that stage hits, then there's no real life. There's only a life in illusion. And there's no attempt to have a life in reality. Now, there are people like that in every religious sect. Look at what, what's going on in the Catholic Church with all of the scandals that they've had over sexual predators. 
These are people who are supposed to be holy, yet in truth, they were there as sexual predators uh, for their own satisfaction. And this happens everywhere. It's, it's not unusual. So just because people wear the clothing of a cleric doesn't make them a cleric, doesn't make them a holy person. We, as Sufis, don't wear any specific garb. Uh, we Sufis used to, but no longer. Sufis now live in the world like everybody else. But we should be exemplars of what the truth entails. We should be exemplars of what appropriate action is. We should be small and humble and fit in to all situations. We need to be able to turn off the judgment that the mind does as an ordinary everyday activity. Uh, the mind walks through the world being a critic and it looks at things and says this is good, this is bad, this should be here, this should be there. It's almost like the people who write in the papers about the movies or the plays or the furniture or the paintings. We walk through the world that way. We don't need to criticize the world. We need to criticize ourselves. If we're going to be looking at somebody, the one we should be looking at is us. Um, Bawa said once, Islam is a sword to cut away our evil qualities, but instead it's used to cut other people. Um, the enemies aren't outside of us. The enemies are inside of us. There was an old uh, comic strip called Pogo, and Pogo said, we've met the enemy and it is us. And it's true. We have enemies inside of ourselves that don't want the best for us. And we listen to them. We listen to our lower self. And then we follow its direction. And why do we do this? Because we lose consciousness. We need to be able to maintain consciousness at a level of wisdom, or else we fall into degraded understandings and allow ourselves to do things that we shouldn't do. Now, this is part of the weakness of man. And this takes perseverance, determination, and certitude to stay on the straight <coughs> path. This doesn't mean that if we fall, we shouldn't get back up and try again. Because this is a constant battle. The jihad between our lower self and our higher self is not one battle that you win or lose that happens in one moment. It's a constant battle that goes on for our entire lives that we are continuously fighting and sometimes the lower part of ourselves gets advantage and sometimes the higher part of ourselves gets advantage. Well, we have to keep pushing until the higher part of ourselves is in the advantage most of the time.
And we have to be strong in our faith that we can do this. People give up. People believe this is not for me. Uh, this path is for others who are stronger than I am. In um, There's a book called The Conference of the Birds. And The Conference of the Birds is about a Sufi teacher who takes a group on the journey towards reality. Well, it all happens with birds. And the, 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 the teacher is a bird called a hoopo. And then he talks to all of the different birds. And some of the birds say things like, I'm too small, I'm too meek, I can't fly this rigorous path, my wings will break, I can't hold myself up. And the hoopoe says, oh, stop it. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop being overwhelmed by what's in front of you. This path is for everybody. And this path is available for everybody. And Allah doesn't give you more than you can handle. And if he wants you to do this, and he does, he has given you the ability to do it. And that's why it's such a good book, because it's about everybody and everybody's individual dilemmas. And he covers a lot of them. We each have our own difficulties. We each have our own uh, hurdles that we have to get over. We shouldn't think that anybody else's path is easier than ours and they've been given advantage over us. The fact that we know about the path and the truth has been shown to us, even though we don't understand it. The fact that it's been shown to us is an indication to you, a very strong indication to you, of Allah's love for you. He has chosen you to show you the truth. He has chosen you to have real teachers in your path. He has chosen you to be given the grace of his truth. Now, the fact that you've been chosen is not enough. Now you have to choose to do what it is that has to be done in order to accomplish what Allah has placed before you. And this is the work that we each have to do. We each have to choose constantly at each moment to do what's correct. And when we falter, we have to turn quickly back to the appropriate way. We can't stay in the path that is degraded. If you fall into a ditch, you get up and you get out of it. You don't sit in the ditch. And this is another thing that all of us have to learn. There is no giving up. The only surrender is to Allah. We don't surrender to the degraded nature of the world. We keep moving. There is no getting tired. There is no, there is no, this is enough already.
we have to have the perseverance to continue to move forward. We have to have that strength. And if that strength is lacking, then we have to pray for it. But we have to stay in a state that is either moving forward or asking to move forward. Our eye has to be on the prize. And the prize is our Lord. So as long as we can keep focus on our Lord and on his qualities, we will move forward. It's difficult for your nafs to interact with you and cause you to stray when you are repeating Yarahman Yarahi. When your focus is on Allah. That focus will burn away all that attacks you. Satan can't handle God's light. And if we keep God's light as our focus, we keep away from us all of the enemies of God's light. And many of those enemies exist within us. Um, the prophet was asked if he had nefs, lower qualities, like everybody else. And he said, yes, he did, but he's turned his into Muslims, which means that his lower self, have, his lower self parts have become believers. So they don't transgress anymore. They've been bound and they don't transgress. So we need to make all of the parts inside of us at least follow the basic rules of the Shariat. So if we can keep our lower selves within the basic rules of the Shariat, then our higher selves can go into uh, Hakikat, Marifat, and Sufiat, the higher levels of transcendence. And they won't be pulling at us. They won't be grasping at us. They won't be pulling us down because they know enough to leave us alone. And the way they learn to leave us alone is through constant rejection by us when they try to pull us their way. They're the ones that should be giving up. And we should be strong enough so that when they constantly attack us, we don't respond and then they give up. We're the ones who persevere, they should be the ones who give up. And who is the true we? The soul within us. So when we recognize this, and when we're able to focus on that, progress will be made and victory will be in our grasp. May it be so for each of us. Amen. Ya Rabbi Lalameen. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.